In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me today is my awesome co-host, Patrick Pister. Hey, Omar. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a long time since we came back and recorded the second <laughs> podcast, right? A, at least a day. <laughs> yeah. And so, Patrick, this is episode what? Yeah, Mark, this is episode number 40. And so join us again, we're very lucky, is we have David Bowen and David Sowers with Knowledge Fund. Hey, David and David. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. How was your drive in today? Good, good. Good to see you <laughs> again. A little bit of traffic, but we got it. Yeah. yeah you can't to uh, mark the passage of time. We now have beards and more hair <laughs> for the second episode. <laughs> so if you just join us, this is our second of a three-part series uh, with Knowledge Fund, talking about actually rubber hit the road, exe- ex- executable f- change. Uh, yeah, so if y'all want to go back and listen to the first episode, that is episode number 39, and you can hear the first installment of Knowledge Vines uh, talk about executives. Yeah, and so now we're going to actually talk about change, and we're going to talk about actually um, the transformation of a culture of an organization, but the first show was about executives, and you know, Knowledge Vine has a lot of experience, a lot of hands-on experience working with executives, because that's where you need to start. But then we roll over to what y'all call supervisors and managers, right? So these, these are the people kind of in that middle role. What is different about working with those people versus the executives? Well, what we've learned, Mark, is that the uh, frontline leadership is really who makes you or breaks you when it comes to making change or making decisions or going a different direction in an organization. And it's also where your misalignment can start and end. So we know it's very important to make sure we take a a supervisor-level person, a manager-level person, and get them completely on board with the vision of where we're going. We want to make sure we show them how this is going to look, what's in it for them. Again, we like to really focus on the with them, what's in it for me, and help them understand that, you know, the stack of stuff we have to work on every day as supervisors and managers that's keeping us out of the field, it came from somewhere. So we can show them how we're going to eliminate those problems that have happened in the past, those errors and mistakes that have led to fatalities or, or, or uh, workplace injuries, rework poor quality, poor reliability. We want to make sure we get a hold of that thing and show them how we're going to get rid of it so that their focus can then be what we hired them to do, what we need them to do, and that's be out there mentoring our employees, making sure that that our new workers that are coming on board uh, are are being trained and and mentored and, and coached and shown how we really want them to do this work because it's important. What we do is very important work in these industries. We want to make sure those folks are mentored and uh, ushered in the right way. Yeah, and so let me ask you this. How important, when we talk about changing culture, which we've talked about this many times, it's always the hardest thing to change in an organization. How important is that mentoring part? It's absolutely huge. If you think about it, people are getting information from somewhere. So where are they getting it from? Are they getting it from each other? Are they getting it from a good supervisor or a poor supervisor? We want to make sure everybody out there is a good mentor and a good supervisor. So if you think about this, how many of us were super doers and we became supervisors? And you think about how much training that went into that for you. Companies typically overlook this. This is a huge, what we call latent organizational weakness. We think, hey, Mark, you are a great guy. You did a great job out there. You ought to make a really good supervisor. Just keep doing all that stuff you used to do and make sure everybody else does it too. 
Well, if you think about what it takes to be a good coach and a good mentor, you really have to be a good motivator. And you have to be somebody that's willing to listen and help, encourage, strengthen, and help grow that individual. That's really what our jobs are as supervisors and managers. So what we don't do is teach you how to do that. We just expect that you've got that skill set and that knowledge set. So we want to make sure, Knowledge Vine wants to make sure when we come in to do the training with you that we show you some of those things that you kind of learn over time. We want to get get it to you right now. You know, how to communicate clearly, those kind of things. Yeah, it's um, you're absolutely right. So in our industry, it's, it's prevalent, right? The guy that's a really good engineer or the guy that's a really good project manager, the guy that's a really good salesman, they put him in a management position. Well, the skill sets and experience that made him good at his job are sometimes the opposite of what yeah. you need to be a good manager or supervisor. And our, our industry, is, is, as long as I've been in it, it's still, to this day, still does that sort of stuff. So you're absolutely right. And, and what's really cool is, and I experienced this myself, um, both from early in my career where I was lucky enough to have good mentors, and then now where I help mentor people, um, you talk about a way to actually fundamentally impact the organization at a frontline level is when you can mentor people properly and show them the right way to do stuff and it, ways that benefit them personally. Like, oh, this, this used to take me three hours. My mentor helped me do this. Now it takes me 45 minutes, right? And that's a benefit to him. But if you trickle that through the organization, the whole organization benefits from that. So yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's, it's funny, that middle layer of management, I never thought of being so critical to the organization, but after you know, this discussion is absolutely, those are the guys that are influencing the people that are doing the work. And that influence can go one of two ways. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing we worry about is sometimes that's a crapshoot, right? We're leaving that up to chance. 50% chance you're going to be a great supervisor, 50% chance you might not be so great. So we want to make sure we take that odds, put the odds in our favor uh, as a management team and as an organization where we have the skill set out there to accept uh, a new employee and get that person coached up and mentored up. Well, it's not just oil and gas. The entire you know, business culture, you can't have five of your employees that you're managing making more than you. So what are you going to do? You're going to promote him or her and just keep promoting them because you want to give them a raise, but they can't make more than their managers. So like you said, they they were good wrench turners. They were good engineers. And they probably liked doing that better than managing people, but you had to promote them. So you need somebody to come in and teach them how to manage. Yeah, well, the, this group is so critical because who you are as an organization is really defined by the behaviors that are happening out in the field and who's seeing that. Is it the guys at the boardroom? Is it in the executive washroom? Are those folks really seeing the behaviors that are happening? The ones that are seeing the behaviors day to day are the that only if front. it pops up on a report, right? <laughs> if it bubbles up in a report, it's usually bad news. It's not the positive reinforcement. It's something something bad happened, and that's that's when they start to see these things. But they still, do we really know who we are as an organization? Do we know what the culture is if we're not seeing the actual worker behaviors and who sees that? It's that frontline supervisor, the guy that we just promoted out of that individual contributor, frontline worker level and said, hey, go to it. You know, you're a great worker, now go be a great supervisor with a total, to your point, Mark, with a totally different skill set is required for these things. So we make sure that we start them down that road of being change agents, of helping with change management, not only just changing their own approach to how they're supervising, but helping their workers to adopt these new behaviors and standards. You know what's interesting about this, which it kind of ties it together, although it has nothing to do with our show. <laughs> so my consulting company, when we go out there and do market research for other companies in oil and gas, and we're trying to get to the heart, like the real data, that manager of manager roles is our sweet spot. If I talk to executives, they're out of touch with the front line. Mm -hmm. The front line people are only worried about that world. That middle part is where we get the best data from, which just jives perfectly with what we're just talking about. Well, we also realized that one of the most important aspects of management and coaching that is missed is the idea around positive reinforcement, how to change and shape behavior faster. 
and positive reinforcement, I think it's kind of washed over as, oh, good job, buddy. You did a great job. Or, hey, that was really wonderful. But that really doesn't resonate or mean anything to anybody. What I want to do is take a behavior that I see and teach that supervisor how to look at that same thing, observe that behavior, see how that lines up and, and, and ties into the commitment of what we're trying to do as an organization. So that piece around positive reinforcement becomes one of the biggest key factors to changing culture because we just don't know how to do it that well. And especially in the utility business where we spend a lot of our time, not so much in oil and gas as much, uh, what we've seen so far is, is that that's really hard to do. It's hard for us to find good in another person. I don't know why, but it just typically is. So we like to focus on that and show Look how much faster you can grow a person and change a culture with positive reinforcement. This is scientific, folks. This is not any you know rocket surgery here. This is the real <laughs> truth. So uh, we like to take that science and show them how it looks, how you can actually use it, how it makes sense, and, and apply it in the field with a worker. That's how you can start to quickly change that direction of the of the organization and culture. Well, and, and I know with oil and gas, we've kind of built it into ourselves. Like you said, there's not really a system for positive reinforcement. So what do you have? You have punishment or nothing. Right. So the positive reinforcement most oil and gas workers get is being left alone. Mm-hmm. So if I can just get away with things and be left alone, that's the biggest positive reinforcement I can get. As long as I don't get punished, I'm doing better. Yeah, the absence of the stick is a reward. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we get it, it, it's funny, we'll talk to organizations, especially like the baby boomers that have been around for a while, and they feel like they were brought up the rough way. You know, my supervisor, you'd get on to me, and I'm better for it, you know, kind of thing. That they, um, they respond to positive reinforcement as well, too. But they, you got a different generation coming up you know, with the millennials and, and not to, you know, trot out these tired examples. We said you. this wasn't an explicit show. You need to watch the language. Millennial. <laughs> millennial is that a dirty hey, word? Hey, hey, we have a millennial in the office, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Are you technically? I'm on the cusp. I'm X okay. and actually Y went away. They just stopped talking about Y. Now yeah. it's all, everything's lumped in. <laughs> well, there's no issues with the generation X, yeah. right? So no, not a, at all. Yeah, that's, that's where uh, Bowman came out of. So yeah, let's focus on other people other than us. It's always nice to put the spotlight on someone else. But it's sometimes it's tough for them to communicate as well too, and they feel like positive reinforcement is just such a, a dirty word. It's, you know, it's like why would I tell somebody they're doing a good job? Um, I, my favorite one, the guy pushed back and he said, "Well, they get positive reinforcement every two weeks when their check hits the bank account." I'm like, "Well, they're going to get that if they sit around all day and do nothing for you." He's going to, you know, the guy that's really hitting it out of the park for you is going to get that same amount of positive reinforcement as the person that's getting the positive reinforcement for not getting out there and doing anything. You know, so you're not really elevating behavior. All you're doing with punishment is just getting compliance. You will get baseline compliance enough to make them go away so I don't have to be bothered anymore. And that is absolutely the, the organizational weakness. That's the piece we've missed is that we don't know how to do it. So therefore, we don't teach you how to do it. And so therefore, it doesn't happen. So everything that I've got to work with is a hammer. So every problem I've got is a nail. You know, so we want to give you some tools in your toolbox to help you with that uh, at the supervisory and management level. So you know, on the episode one, uh, the first part of the series, we talked about training executives and how sometimes it's hard to get buy-in because they're so busy. Um, the training that you have to do with supervisors, I'm guessing, is probably different than what y'all do with executives. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. The uh, executive leadership team spends about four hours with us, and we, we do a pretty deep dive. We go back into the survey results and that kind of thing. We spend the most time, and I mean hourly time, uh, with the supervisor management level group because they have to kind of learn both sides of this. They have to understand the executive side of it, the management decisions, why we do what we do, the processes we use to work uh, with, 
And then they have to understand the coaching, mentoring, observation side of this. So we actually break this into two five-hour days. And the reason we do two five-hour days typically, uh, and this is customizable, as a supervisor and a manager, the most important parts of their days really start with in the morning. The morning they have to give work out. They have to assign work. They have to make sure the work plan is, is addressed. And then the afternoon when the workers come back in from the field, they have to have some kind of a wrap-up, after-action review, post-job review. So we like to do this uh, this five-hour session from 9 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, give you your morning back and your afternoon back. So you can actually supervise, manage, coach, and mentor. And then the second day, we spend another five hours uh, just on how to communicate clearly, how to show what your uh, um, observation skills would look like in the field. We go over how to uh, uh, acknowledge good behavior, how to change management how change Give us some examples of that. how do you acknowledge good behavior at the supervisory level in a industry like this well one thing we look at is is what's the ratio what's the balance right you know do we're not wanting you to come in there and you're the supervisor that's been kind of hard on them all this time and then you come into the knowledge vine training for five hours and you go back to your crew and suddenly you're like hey everybody's awesome this is amazing they're going to wonder what we fed you and why you're <laughs> acting like this now right so um a specific actionable thing because again we don't like to talk to them in these vague platitudes of make sure you're giving positive reinforcement what does that look like we want to make sure that we're giving specific uh, positive reinforcement. So when I say to you guys, hey, good job, does that feel like positive reinforcement? <laughs> no. I mean, but people throw that out there right. like, well, I told him good job, but good job what? I wasn't watching the work. You know, you broke every rule in the book and we got pretty lucky, but I said good job to you, so, so that's good. So good job self-checking. Good job using a questioning attitude. Good job grabbing yourself a peer check and making sure this went right. Good job stopping the work. You know, let them know the specific behavior that you're trying to positively reinforce instead of just vague you know, uh, we're positively reinforced and try to hit a mark that uh, four to one is, is what we like to look at. You know, we want to have four positive interactions for every uh, coaching opportunity or one delta that we have to correct. And, and the reason we say to do that is to help build that relationship. If every time I, I mark, you see my face, I'm, I'm fussing at you about something, you never want to see me. But if we've had that interaction where I appreciate what you did yesterday, the day before I told you about something that, that was, you know, right on and, and I'm, we're great with it. When I have to come with you and say, hey, we got a little gap here, you know, how can I help you close that gap? You're going to be way more receptive to that. So we talk about building that bank account with those positive interactions because we're going to have to write a check on it, you know, for some of the, we got to clean up some deltas or, or those uh, improvement opportunities. You get any pushback, you know, in an industry like this that says you're just being too soft? If you're if you're having to do these four positive touches for every one, well, we'd say this the engineering you're coming out. I can see like <laughs> building a spreadsheet already. Like you, something went wrong, and you're like, I've only got two. Let me say something positive so I can yell at it. You know, I got to get one more. Don't make we don't try don't make it such a hard hard thing. But yeah, we just want to sense that we're approaching that level because most people will admit. So we're probably like one to one or two to one in the other direction. You know that it's not positive, but we really do. I mean, we see it a lot that it's such, such an uncomfortable thing to uh, give that positive reinforcement. And people are doing positive things all the time. It, it, performance improvement, there's really two sides to that coin. One is we've got to correct the behaviors that are wrong. We've got to fix those things, but we also have to keep doing the things that we're doing right. And we're doing a lot of right things all day long recognizing those and ensuring that we continue to do the right things while at the same time trying to root out those uh, those negative behaviors or those things that we need to correct. Is, uh, that's what's really going to help to drive that improvement. We also see that once we leave the training room, we go out in the field with these guys and show them how to actually do this. I mean, that's where the there's a lot of, of I wouldn't say pushback, but a lot of concern around, eh, this is kind of soft. You know, I'm not sure I'm bought in. 
we go out in the field with these guys and show them how to actually do this. So again, hand, we're very hands-on. We're very into showing you how to do this, not just talking about it from a theoretical whiteboard perspective. We want to go out there and show you how we would coach your employee with you, almost a paired observation. It is a paired observation. Uh, to show you exactly what it sounds like. What does it feel like? Watch the response you get from the employee. Watch how they delight in this and say, you know, this is what I've been looking for. I need some feedback. I need some some coaching and guidance so I can make sure I'm doing my job to the best of my ability. We try to make sure we help them navigate some of the pitfalls of that too. Some of the pushback will be, what about the guy that um, doesn't like to be held out? You know, do I get him, do I get the whole crew around and say, hey, Bob did a great job today. And now you suddenly just horrified him because right. he's the kind of guy that doesn't like attention so you got to know your people and we coach them on those sorts of things as well is is there's no you know one size fits all i mean we, we talked about that in the first episode to act like every, we're all a homogenous group and everybody's going to respond the same way to to positive reinforcement you've got to recognize that there are dy- other dynamics at play and there's personalities that you have to consider that maybe this person you give to the positive reinforcement in um in private Whereas if you're, if I'm giving you that positive reinforcement in public, then others might see that behavior. Like if I tell you, you know, Mark, that's a great looking shirt you got on today. Then of course, Patrick's going to want to wear a better shirt next time. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I yeah. looked nice today. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look and see what I was wearing. Right confident. So David, you know, I'm thinking about all this and I'm thinking about what we talked about the first episode in conversation you and, you and I have had off the mic and it just occurred to me. So if a company works with y'all, and you're finished, and, and y'all do a good job with that management supervisor level. As the company goes through time, some of those management supervisors will step up into executive management. That has to just accelerate the change that you're trying to implement from the very beginning. It absolutely does. Matter of fact, we have one client that decided that uh, if you wanted to move up and progress in their company, you had to have gone through this training and been successful. Because remember, while we're out there coaching and mentoring you, we're trying to shape the behavior of the supervisor and manager. We're also collecting data on you because we want to be able to be honest with you and say, okay, these are the things you should work on as a supervisor or a leader or a manager. And so one company said, you know, if you want to get promoted from this spot, you have to go through this and you have to be in the top third of the graduates that come out of this, uh, this opportunity. So there is a lot of data that comes out of this. There's a lot of information that comes out of it, but it's all to help the organization get better. And you're absolutely correct. Once those people do move up from, because it's odd, we've, we've, been doing this for quite some time and and to be honest with you we've never ended a contract yet because this is a continuous improvement cycle we will continue to find ways to make you better and help you get better and so uh yeah when they move up and they get into the higher levels of the organization it is a very streamlined easier approach because it's not anything new it's something they've lived they've seen they've respected and they know it's going to happen so yeah that's that's a really good point some of those ancillary outcomes of the efficiency, the productivity, things like that, to, to really driving it, the frontline supervisor that adopts those, you know, if, you, if you're a foreman and you've got this crew out there and you're really driving those sorts of things, who's going to bubble up as our next executive or our next leader or something like that? The guy that's got the crew that's the most efficient without the accidents and they don't have the rework and those sorts of things. So they really do get that by that tip of the spear, I think that you're identifying, they're going to get there a little bit quicker and they are the most bought in because they have been from day one and it's actually served them in their career because what's in it for me, you know, if I've got the crew that's doing this and uh, adopting these behaviors and, and becoming more efficient, more effective, I'm top of the list when it comes time to, you know, who's, who's stepping up some of these roles. Yeah, you know, another thing that just popped in my head that this touches is retention, right? Because everybody knows that people don't leave companies that leave management. 
if you're a company and you're worried about retention in the oil and gas industry, even in low crude price environments, always worried about retention, this is a way to build in that culture so retention isn't a big, as big an issue for you because you have good management. It's a great key performance indicator, actually. One of our clients we've had for several years now uh, dropped their uh, turnover rate 67%. Oh, jeez. 67%. And in, and in a contract environment, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money that walks out the door when an employee leaves you. But you're right on the money. We say it all the time. People don't leave bad companies. They leave bad supervisors. So we want to make sure we give you good supervisors so you do have a good retention. Yeah. I, I like the way y'all are addressing this level of management, this leadership style, because I've been on several incident investigations, and it was one person doing one thing that was not above board. They were skipping a step or cutting a corner. But going back and doing the research, it definitely wasn't the first time they did that, which means they were allowed to do that on multiple occasions, which means their supervisor, that frontline management guy, he just he let them do it day in, day out, and one day it happened to bite them. But the person that gets run off is that frontline employee who skipped the step. And it's rarely the manager. Now, if you need a scapegoat, it's the manager. But they, they don't I – see, I see a lot of people get run off just for this. They're, they're not being managed. They're not being coached because if they're ignored, then they can just do their job. Well, if they do it better, they're cutting, cor- they're, they're cutting corners. They're doing it better, and then they're going to rise up. That is kind of the old style of management. We yeah. like to also talk about, you know, th- this this whole process is pretty deep, and to, and to talk about it into every aspect of what we do would take hours, honestly. But, you know, what you just talked about is something that's also missed in organizations. That's true root cause evaluation, truly understanding why, or more importantly, how we got here, right? And a lot of times we like to just say, eh, we knew old Steve was a bad guy. We knew it happened to him eventually. But to your point earlier, and I think even in the first uh, podcast we talked about, these accidents aren't new. These these are happening. These things are happening to us at the precursor level before we have a consequence over and over. But because we have lacked uh, engagement from supervision and lack, lacking engagement from, from upper management uh, sometimes, uh, we don't get to see the precursors. We just wait until there's a consequence. Then we want to run out there and try to figure out how in the world did that happen. Well, it's been happening to us over and over, and that's one of the things we like to teach. And also, you're bringing up another good point, the culpability model. You know, looking at when something does happen, really understanding how we got here. How did it happen? Not why or who as much. And understanding that if you have a, a potential issue that uh, another person could that's equally qualified could fall into you've got a system issue you don't have a person issue you know, I go back to Sidney Decker days he talked about in his book uh, the field guide to human error review he said people aren't your problem they're your solution so looking at the larger system issue is what we actually teach our clients to do don't look at the person the person is not typically your problem it's the system have you ever heard of a substitution test if you have an accident, the first question you should really be asking yourself is, if I took that person out, the, the who, if I took them out of that situation, put an equally qualified person in the same situation, could they make the same mistake? Nine times out of ten, the answer is like, yeah, they could. So is it really a person problem or is it a process problem? And that will maybe help shape your focus, getting away from the who and getting to the how. Yeah, and I think, I think it was off the mic that we talked about as far as root cause analysis. When it gets to a systemic culture, an internal auditor doing an investigation, they may start to go up the chain and say, well, this was a this was a management at the site, which means it was management at the supervisory level for them, and then it was management all the way to the top. You're never going to get that result because that guy's going to get fired because yeah. somebody up the chain has to approve that incident investigation, so that's never going to get up on the third party. And part, part of what y'all do as third-party consultants, 
now you're telling the CEO or VP level guys that, no, this is a cultural issue. Your entire organization has cultural systemic issues. You may not get hired back for that next job if you're pointing those kind of things out because they may not have a job next quarter. Well, you asked us in the first episode that if we felt there wasn't commitment from the executive level, would we walk away? And that's the kinds of things that bubble up down the road that is going to be an impediment or going to be a roadblock or going to damage the relationship that if they're not open to, hey, we're, going to, we're holding the mirror up to you. This, is, this isn't our data. This is what you look like. And if, if you don't want to see that, then that's why we try to get out early for the, these down-the-road events when we're trying to say, let's fix the problem instead of just replacing the people over and over again. When we start missing the learning opportunities, you stop to grow. And that's really what we want to help. If you're going to change performance and change culture, you got to be a learning organization that's willing to say, you know what, we did not have our hands around that. We're going to fix that. We're going to close that gap. Yeah, and uh, we're getting close to the end of our second episode here with uh, Knowledge Vine. Uh, it's also time for our Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. So we've been talking about supervisors and management. Do we have a safety tip that applies here? Coming down the ladder, you watch the worker came down. The requirement at this organization was you need to have gloves when you're, you, when you're on a ladder. The worker, right ahead of the supervisor, you know, had the gloves on. The supervisor came down behind him, barehanding it. And we were standing back watching this. We were outside the red barrier. There's a red barrier. It's a lifting evolution, mm-hmm. rigging and lifting evolution. There's a red barrier. We're standing back. And so we're kind of getting that big, wide-angle view. And we could see people around there, like, pointing it out and talk, saw the same thing we saw. So now... When it's time, when I'm coming up to a ladder and my gloves are 10 feet away, am I going to make that compromise because I just saw my supervisor do? Yeah, and that's an awesome tip of the yeah. week because you're right. If, if when the, the, the group of people you're working with starts calling you on stuff, it, it, that means it's real. They, they've oh, bought yeah. into it. Absolutely. Yeah, but, they, but they do what you said. They point it out to each other. They don't point it out to their boss who's obviously doesn't care. So they're going to talk to their buddy. Look, at it, it doesn't matter. So the next time we're alone... He's not watching. I'm not doing it either. Yeah, I feel I'm, I'm right. morally justified because yeah. my supervisor's not doing it either. Yeah. So we go. yeah, good, good safety tip of the week there. So uh, Dave and Dave, y'all know the routine. If you want one of those awesome Red Wing bags sitting right there, it's very simple. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Audience, if you want one of these bags and they're in high demand, you too can go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information. We uh, uh, draw one lucky winner a week. See official site for rules and details. And Patrick, now it's time for our Red Wing Bag Winner of the Week. And this week's winner of the Red Wing Offshore Bag is Richard Lillydahl, Supply Chain Manager of PTW Energy Services. I actually used to work with Richard. Uh, great guy. Glad he won the bag and happy he's listening. Uh, we talk about this every show. LinkedIn group, OGGN. Just type it in. We got a new logo. We got some new stuff coming out. If you want to be informed second. Um, about anything new that Patrick and I are doing, go join OGGN. It's a place where all your peers are. I've seen salespeople share contacts. I've seen people do copyright for each other. I've seen people help find people jobs. Um, If you want to find out first what Patrick and I are doing, go to oilandgashsne.com, the website for this show. Give us your email address. We won't ever spam you. And that list will find out first everything we're doing. And then we need reviews. We desperately need reviews. It's our fault that we lost the reviews. We'll admit that. Go to this show's notes. <laughs> click on the link that Patrick puts in there so the review ends up in the right place. And, and we will publicly thank you on the air once we get some reviews in the door. Talked about the website. We have to thank Lee Heck and Harrison, who's our travel sponsor for 2017. Lee Heck and Harrison is currently helping over 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies simplify the complexity of leadership. So if you have a complex leadership team, <laughs> reach out to Lee Heck and Harrison. They can help you fix that stuff. All right, so Dave and Dave, man, it was so great having you all here. Um, if people want to find out more about KnowledgeFind, where should they go? 
I would definitely go to knowledgevine.com. And again, for the supervisory management level folks, there's a lot of videos out there that show how we do this. You can use those with your folks uh, to try it out and to start uh, leading from there. So knowledgevine.com is our website. And thank you for having us again. Yeah. So Patrick, we'll put a link to the show notes. Now, Dave and Dave, if people want to connect with y'all personally, LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn's fine. We're both on there. Yeah. LinkedIn, our Facebook page. Yeah. We'll see the messages there as well. Or you can message us through the website. Yeah, so Patrick will put uh, links for all Absolutely. that there. So it's great having you on the show. I know we have another one to do because this is a three-part series. And this is number two. Um, if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to number one, go back and find number one. Uh, and then go listen to number three. Uh, Patrick, ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond.